welcome to the body, the blood, the Michelada, a, a podcast. podcast. Um, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about Hollywood and how it really screws up people. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's a terrible place. Everyone's really fucked up in Hollywood. Yeah. This week's theme is tragic starlets. Yeah. You know what tragic starlet always bothered me? Who? Julie Garland. Yeah. That did one? you say Julie Garland? Judy Garland. Okay. There's I did say question. Julie, but I am also drunk, so. Judy Garland. Judy totally fucked up story. Yeah. I mean, she went through a lot. They told her she was fat, even though she was not. Even though she was a child. Yeah. She was, she a, was a child. Girl. She was skinny, and they said that she was fat. Yeah. So they fed her diet pills and cigarettes. And, cigarettes. and like what? They said she could have like a slice of bread a day or something. Yeah. Like that was literally it. I feel bad for her and Mickey Rooney. How well, they didn't he? feed him pills his entire life, so That's he was true. able to live longer than Judy Garland. I'm pretty sure like Judy's growth was like stunned by that. Probably. Of course it was. Yeah. Have you ever seen her last performance? No. Oh my god. She like she's Is singing it on YouTube? I think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure she's singing over the rainbow and she just starts breakdown like crying in the middle of it. Oh. Yeah, no. it's really sad. You know, speaking of Judy's, have you guys ever heard the story of Judy Foster? You know, I've I've heard of it, but not like I haven't heard the story. I've heard whispers okay, in the so, wind. So Judy Foster was um, kind of coming up during the silent film festival, like when silent film was all the rage. Did you say not festival? festival? I'm so sorry. Era. Era. When is that coming you. to a California Adventure again? <laughs> Okay, so Judy Foster was... Um, I'd be down for that, actually. I would be super down for that. Judy Foster was born in Georgia in 1903, um, and she just wanted to be a star, like everyone did growing up in the 20s and the in the 10s. I don't know if that's like a way to call it. The 1910s? The 1910s. The Roaring 10s. The Roaring 10s. Um, so she moved from... Um, I think she was born in Augustina, Georgia, 1903. So she moved from Georgia to California. She wanted to be in the silent films. In the pictures. In the pictures. Anyway, so she moved here from Georgia, and she started out as a dancer. She was working in all the clubs, like, trying to get her name out there, dancing in whatever costume she had. I don't know. Just trying to get anyone to notice her. Is she like Lady Gaga in Hotel, like her start? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. She's just like trying to get her name, trusting anyone. She's mm-hmm. really naive. She's from Georgia in, in the 10s, <laughs> early 20s. I feel like back then, like you had to do that. You had to throw yourself out there and just get noticed by anyone. You did. And you remember like this was the beginning of hollywood no one knew what anything Mm -hmm. was this is all new technology edison's coming out with the cameras um so judy starts dancing and she starts getting noticed um any way she can she's like hey producer (laughs) you guys can't see me because this is a podcast but i'm doing that thing where um you pretend you're giving someone a (laughs) blowjob anyway so she gets into a couple silent films. She's dancing. She's doing the, like, overdramatic face poses. Mm-hmm. She's starting to get out there. And she's thinking to herself, oh, my God, like, 
this is it, guys. I'm going to be a star. <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm telling this story. So she, oh, she, at this point, she's just like, my star can only rise. And then um, 1927 rolls around and something horrible happens to movies. Sound. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Guess what Judy Foster is not known for? Her voice or her actual acting ability? <laughs> is her voice, like, really, like, shrill? Is, I was going to say, is it shrill? It's kind of shrill. Like, there aren't really Does she sound like a point. pterodactyl when she talks? You know Fran Dresser? <laughs> Like that, but southern. <laughs> so, 1927, um, the talkies, as they're called, come into play. Now, sound is introduced to movies. Turns out Judy is not great. And her star just starts to plummet. Um, not great for her. Her husband's super thrilled about it because he, he didn't really want to marry... A film star. He wanted a trophy wife. He wanted someone that's going to dote on him, that's going to be on his side, silent, but seen kind of thing. Judy wasn't for this life. She needed attention desperately. Um, and then the only place she was really getting this attention is at the Edison. It's an old restaurant that's here in LA. Um, it's still around, actually, the Edison. Um, but everyone knew Judy. She would walk in the door, and it's like, all of a sudden, she's a star again. They'd be like, Judy's here. All the bartenders, all the servers, everyone knew Judy. Was she, like, a good tipper or something? I'm sure she was a good tipper, and she probably, like, told a story. Like, she would talk your ear off. We all know those customers. So it's like when we walk into, like, any bar in L.A. County, and they just, like, exactly. they're, they're like, oh, like, my God, oh, you guys. Natalie, Sophie. Yay. Or if we go into the local Chili's, they're like, oh, my God, you guys can. <laughs> you guys oh can. Ah. Bottomless chips and salsa, mm. like, Chili's for days. Oh, my God, and they're fried pickles. So she loved the Edison. She went there constantly like at least two or three times a week she would go there because in the edison she was a star um and then she would go she always ordered the same thing the pot roast i'm not sure why pot roast i'm thinking maybe because that's like what she grew up on in the south i don't know pot roast was her thing though like girl loved her pot roast it probably was a southern thing though because i feel like i always I imagine southern dinners just i don't know i just imagine southern dinners always being like this big hearty like meal bad for you you had to work on the farm in the morning yeah. or something and then i'm sure especially coming to la she was starving so then um eventually judy foster is not content with just having the edison love her so she um like i said earlier she married a producer um his name was andrew she decides to go through andrew's little black book and call everyone she can count get a hold of i'm judy my husband's andrew was this a drunk dial kind of but it was more like a like a desperation dial like she okay. needed to be in the spotlight i mean we've all been there <laughs> girl anyway so she's calling around like anyone that will answer and finally she gets herself a part in a movie and she's so excited. She's like, this is it. This Was is it a porno? I don't know. And no one will ever know. Let me finish my story. No. <laughs> anyway. The end. <laughs> so, um, Andrew finds out. They get in this huge fight. He tells her, like, if you take this part, 
I'm walking. I don't want to be a part of this. You're an embarrassment. Fuck and she's thing. like, yeah, exactly. She's like, fuck you. I'm going to be famous. This is what I came I'm here. going to be a star. This is why I left Georgia. Like, I came here to be a star, and I'm Hollywood going to be a star. star. How are you not going to let me be a star? Fuck you, Andrew. Um, So he leaves. Fuck all the Andrews out fuck there. Fuck all the Andrews. You know what? No, not fuck all the Andrews. I had a really great customer named Andrew in Portland. He was so nice. Okay, fuck Every Andrew but that one Andrew in Portland. You Andrew in Portland, you cool. I think everyone who I worked with there would agree. I, I mean, I've met the people you worked with in Portland, so I'd be like, eh. I mean, true. Like, three of them, I'd be like, okay, I trust your opinion. Mm-hmm. Other, the other ones, I don't care about. <laughs> okay, so Judy Foster. Um, Andrew leaves her, but she doesn't care because she finally has a part. And um, she just, she has to go tell the people that care about her most, the waitresses and waiters at the Edison, um, the Edison restaurant in Los Angeles. So she gets herself all gussied up, like she always did to go to the Edison. Um, It's 1933. She's so excited. Uh, So something happens in 1933 in Los Angeles. We have the Long Beach earthquake. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So... It's awful. The whole state shakes, which it does here every, like, I don't know, 20 minutes. But this was crazy. Um, Am I shaking right now? You might be. Oh, that's just my vertigo. Oh, Oh, you did drink a lot. No, I didn't. (laughs) Well, I did, so. So, the 1933 earthquake happens. Judy was on her way out the door to the Edison. She never makes it there because her chandelier breaks and drops and lands on her. What? Yes, pinning her to the ground. And no one else is home because, as you guys know, Andrew left. Um, she this hasn't had Andrew's children. fault. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know if it's Andrew's fault. No, it's, it's, it's it fault. might be the Lord's fault because of the earthquake. No, no, I mean, no, no, Andrew no. could have been there to... Yeah. I don't know. You know having, what? I do blame Andrew. Having Fuck a chandelier Andrew. fall on you, I don't know if you could survive that. Like, she might have died you on know impact. What? She you was never, there? We'll never we'll know never because know. Andrew wasn't there. Did Andrew find her? No. Um, so, she doesn't get found until um, a couple days later, the cops are, like, going through because there's a bunch of rubble. And so, um, that's actually how she gets found. She gets found by, like, a rescue queue a couple days later. So, no one even knows, like, how, like, if she died on impact, if she was there for a while. Uh, it's Shit. very forensics tragic. weren't that yeah forensics then. weren't that great in the 30s and why would they be like looking into it everyone there was probably a lot of people that yeah it's not like it's not like they were like foul play is the foot mm-hmm. no there was an earthquake and a bunch of people died um but if you go to the edison now it said that you can still like hear judy coming in and like um, they can smell her perfume what does she smell like Ooh. oh she smells um i I think it smells like lilac. Lilac? Okay. Yeah, it's like... But they say that you can still kind of... They still feel her presence at the Edison, like... Because that was a place she was the happiest. Obviously, that makes sense. She spent a lot of time there. She spent a lot of time there. She ate a lot of pot roast. Like, that was the one place that she was a star. Where she was who she wanted to be. The Judy Foster of Judy Foster's dreams. And that's um, that's the tragic story of Judy Foster. So, Judy Foster. Mm-hmm. Any relation to Jody? 
Actually, no. And how dare you? Speaking of Judy's, I have a story about a Judith. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sort of, sort of related. Yeah, a lot of, lot of Judiths in Hollywood. Judiths, Judies, Judith, Judy, Judy. Let me tell you the story about Judith Barcy. Judith Barcy was born on June 6, 1978 in Los Angeles, California. Oh. So yeah, we have another California. Local girl. Yeah. She was the daughter of Joseph Barcy and Maria Benko. He was a refugee from Hungary. So pretty much from the time she was born, Judith's mother was like grooming her to be a star. She wanted her to be in film. She knew exactly what she wanted to do. And Judith was discovered at the age of five. Wow. Yeah. At a skating rink. Yeah. She was five, but she looked a lot younger. So when she started like being cast in roles, she was playing three years old. I feel like that's um, how most actors, like that's how we end up with what's Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker as like a a 14 year old or something. Yeah. Well, that's how we end up with a lot of like 20 somethings playing middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. Like you have to look young in Hollywood. So, she started doing commercials. Mm-hmm. Her first commercial was for Donald Duck orange juice. Aw, I've yeah. had Donald Duck. Yeah, yeah, I've had that. Yeah, isn't that so weird? They still sell it at Northgate. Really fun fact, she looked younger because her mother would take her to UCLA to get injections to spur her growth. What? Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's a thing? It's a thing. Well, that's like what they think happened with michael jackson oh quite like her mother was so obsessed with her staying young and being able to play roles in tv shows and commercials judith's first tv appearance was in fatal vision in 1984 if anyone has ever seen that show go ahead right into the podcast does it have anything to do with fatal attraction no i hope not what is she like five (laughs) at this point she's six when she was in fatal vision but she's playing a five-year-old she's probably playing like a three okay i mean that makes it i can't tell the difference between three and six-year-old i don't know they're they're all all children children (laughs) so she continued to appear after her Fatal Vision premiere okay. in multiple TV shows. She was in the Twilight Zone. <gasps> she was actually in the first episode. Oh my god. Obviously not the original. That was like... They're from the 60s. Yeah, I think the 60s. She appeared in Punky Brewster. Don't us. Yeah. Was she Soleil Moon Fry? No. Because that's a different name. She also appeared in The Love Boat. So she wasn't a super huge star. In most of these, she played like background characters well, or secondary like characters. Eight years <laughs> you know, she's a young girl. But she was able to bring in about $100,000 a year. She was able to pay for her parents' house. I want to bring in $100,000 a year. Girl, I just want to bring in, like, $60,000 a year. Like, that'd be cool. I would like to get $30,000 a year. (laughs) I would like to get literally any money. Please send us money. Please send us money. DM us at BB Michelada. (laughs) Do we have an email? Yes. Yes. BB Michelada Michelada at gmail.com. Send us money. Money grams. We're so poor. Thank you. So, she was able to pay for a house for her parents. However, even with all the money she was bringing in, there was family trouble. Of course. Her father was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> so, if you think alcoholism is hilarious. This is, speaking of alcoholism, <laughs> let's drink. Cheers! I'm going to shatter this glass if I try. So, beginning in about 1985, which is like right after her, Judas. I'm fine. <laughs> 
which is basically <laughs> right after Judith started her career, mm-hmm. her father would stay home from work. He was a plumber, but he would stay home from work drunk all day. But <laughs> this is hilarious, everyone. Clearing those pipes. <laughs> Go on. Okay. So he would stay home from work drunk, but he also refused to let his wife Maria work. So he was very controlling over her. So wait. So she couldn't work, mm-hmm. but he also was not refused working. to work because so he was this so drunk. Eight year old has to like run the mm-hmm. finances. So she's bringing so in all the money. She's bringing in all the bacon yep. for this drunk plumber and his stay at home wife. So I mean, it's not her fault that she's a stay at home wife. He's not giving. He's her not letting her. Also, this is the eighties, and this is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. So on top of all of this, he's super controlling, isn't letting him work, but he also shows huge resentment over his daughter. Because mm-hmm. she's bringing in all this money. Mm-hmm. He's not because he's... He's a nothing. He's a loser. He's a, yeah, he's a man. He's so a even, man. Even though he's staying home drunk, he's making threats to his family. Basically telling them that he's going to hurt them. He's going to kill them. A friend of Joseph was interviewed and told him... Or told the... Uh, someone. Told the someone. Diane Sawyer. That Joseph would tell him almost on a daily basis that he wanted to murder his wife. Just Fine. flat out told him at work, a fellow plumber, just, hey. You know what would be hilarious? I want to kill my, my wife. wife dad. And so his friend would say, well, if you killed your wife, what would happen to your daughter? Like, there's no one going to be, be able to provide for her. And he would reply, oh, I would just kill her too. She Apparently he told him story. like over 500 times that he wanted to kill them. Like, is that how he started every sentence? How do you tell someone, hey, Joe, how you doing? Me? I'm good. I just want to kill my wife and I my daughter. I had a good weekend thinking about killing my wife. Just want to kill her. <laughs> kill my daughter. You know. Like you do. Like you normal do. stuff, guys. Very normal stuff. Masculine locker room talk. <laughs> anyway, go on. In 1987. So at this mm-hmm. point, she's... None of us nine? were born yet. She's about nine. None of us were alive. She landed a role in Jaws The <gasps> Revenge. Oh. Yeah, so a pretty big role. They were filming in the Bahamas. So yeah. Judy and her mother got to fly out to the Bahamas. Before flying out to the Bahamas to film for Jaws, Judith's father pulled her aside, took out a knife, and told her if she didn't come back after filming, he would stab her. How? If she's in the Bahamas, is he going to go to the Bahamas to stab I her? I guess. But even, just imagine well, I telling... Mean, he's just scaring a little girl, so yeah, at that point Just imagine like, telling a nine-year-old child. you in the space. Yeah. They're nine, they don't know. They're not gonna know. So even before this, Judas' mother had tried calling the police because obviously he's very abusive. He had never physically abused them, but I imagine being told that you're going to be murdered on a daily basis. Isn't fun. It's not fun. Yeah. However, the police didn't see any signs of abuse. Like, there were no marks, nothing. But see, that's the thing is, like, this is the 80s, so mental illness and mental abuse isn't real Mm -hmm. and so they're just living in this horrible hell yeah not knowing but even then the police were like we can't really do anything like if you want we could remove him (laughs) that was nothing go on but maria was like no 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 i don't want you to take my husband from our home because yeah but a lot of victims of abuse are like that they'll call the police but then once they get there they're like oh no don't take my husband to jail Mm -hmm. so that happened Judith's agent also tried to help at one point. Judith's agent tried to get involved while they were together at one point. 
Jiu's father called her and had said something threatening over the phone, which mm-hmm. caused her to break into tears. She ran and locked herself in a room and refused to come out. So her agent told Maria, like, hey, you need to call Child Protective Services for your own good. Mm-hmm. But Maria pretty much flat out refused. Of course. She That's didn't want to She didn't want to get involved, even though it's her own daughter. But she didn't want to be the reason that her daughter and her husband were separated. Yeah, I mean, you don't... I get it, and I, like, I, at the same time, I'm like, Maria, get out of here. There's so many red flags. But I get it. Like, when you're in it, you don't know how to escape. You don't know what your next step is. Like, are you going to be alone? You're going to mm-hmm. be a single mom? Like, how do you even go on? I, I can see being so far into this rabbit hole that you don't know which way is up. I can see that. Even if you're staying with a alcoholic abusive husband who doesn't even go to work, if you can't see past that, then obviously you're not going to be calling the police to take him away. No. You're I already mean, so far down that rabbit and hole. And there's, there's so much shame with being associated with, like, a victim. Mm-hmm. There's, like, the whole thing. Like, you blame yourself. Like, how did I let this happen? Something must have been my fault. Like, I, I had to have caused this. So I get it. Like, I understand why Maria was so afraid and that she couldn't... She felt like she couldn't find help. After filming Jaws, mm-hmm. obviously she returned back to... America. America, back to her home. Oh. The following year, she went on to record probably what she's best known for which was ducky in the land before time <laughs> i think everyone's seen the land before time yes so she good. played ducky so now i'm even sadder <laughs> once they returned back to their family home the threats of violence and at this point some physical abuse continued so there was actual yeah, physical he's abuse now. To like maria had planned to get away from joseph she actually rented an apartment Okay. So most days, she would take Judith, and they would stay the day at their apartment, and then return back home at night to spend it with Joseph. So he just thought they were out. To kind of, like, build up appearances. Yeah, and kind that of they were out started. either at okay. auditions, or they were just out together. And she did want to leave her husband. Judith's agent even, like encouraged her to file for a divorce because she could see the damage that was being done. Yeah. But Maria didn't want to leave her home. She finally decided that she would move back into her home so she couldn't get away. On July 25th, 1988, Judith missed an appointment at Hanna-Barbera Productions. Her agent is trying to figure out where she is, so she calls her father Mm -hmm. because she can't get a hold of her mother. She calls Joe Barcy, and he told her that... A car had come to the house and picked up both Judith and Maria and taken them to San Diego, which sounds a little weird, but her agent really couldn't dispute that. Yeah. So she just sort of said, okay, that's weird. Well, she missed an appointment. Make sure she gives me a call at some point. The following night, Joe Barcy carried out the threats that he had made for years prior. Oh, no. While Judith and Maria slept, he went and shot them both in the head. Wait, were they in San Diego? No. During the night, he shot them both while they slept. For the following two days, he wandered the house with the bodies still there. Oh, God. On July 27th, Joseph gave Judith's agent a call Mm -hmm. and let her know that he was going to be leaving the house, that he was ready to leave but he wanted to stick around just long enough to say goodbye to his little girl. But at this point, she was already dead. Yeah, she'd been dead like two, three days? For two days at this point. So after this phone call, he takes gasoline and spreads it around the house and sets the house on fire. Oh, Oh God. God. And then shoots himself in the head. Well, that was a bummer. 
It was a bummer. Yeah. It's a tragic starlet. Yeah, no kidding. The year after Judith died uh-huh. is when her final film premiered. Oh, she was, was a voice in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, no! She was a little girl, wasn't she? I love that movie. Those were like my favorite movies when I was a kid. I've realized that I need to get better at telling stories. Um, so, um, you, uh, told a story about Judy. You told a story about Judith. I'm gonna break the mold a little bit and tell a story about Linda. Oh. <gasps> um, her name's, uh, Linda Darnell. Like Chris Darnell? You mean Chris Cornell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, neither of you probably have heard of Linda Darnell. No. I know about Linda Presson. Um, this Linda <laughs> was noted in Hollywood as being the girl with the perfect face. Oh, okay. Um, which I think could have been an episode of America's Next Top Model. I don't know if you've ever heard the names and titles of the episodes of America's Next Top Model, but like they could, sound like that. It could also be a Twilight Zone episode. It could be. The girl with the perfect face. Anyways. It's also attainable now with plastic surgery. It's true. But really, like, what is perfection? Mm. My face. Just look yeah. in the mirror. Mirror. Father. Mirror. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyways, this, um, I'll show you a picture later, but to me, she looked like a mixture of, uh, Drew Barrymore mixed with Ashley Judd. So, like, if you could imagine that, it's okay. very pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her name isn't Linda at all. She was born Moneta Eloise Darnell. In Dallas, Texas, on October 16th, 1923. Okay. That Had nothing sound. to do with the name Linda. And um, uh, she was born to Pearl Brown and Calvin Darnell. Her mom was basically a maid who uh, lived in Tennessee, and I she always had dreams maid. of uh, being a movie star. And, um, you know, what comes with that? A chandelier falls on you. Yeah. A chandelier falls on you. Your father murders you. you. Yeah. Anyway, she had one older sister, Undine. And then she had a younger sister named Monty. <laughs> and then oh. a younger brother named Calvin Jr. Okay. What was wrong with their parents? Um, what year, wait, what, what year was this? Well, she was born in 1923. Okay, so it's the 20s. Undine. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Paul, what is your great-grandmother's name? My great-grandmother's name? What was your grandma, like, your grandma with the weird name? My gra- I had a grandfather named Delorma. There you go. So who are you to judge Monetta? Stupid grandma's name. Is it Monty a boy name? I don't know. This is the 20s. I got all my info from a biography channel documentary that happened to be posted on YouTube. Anyways, um, like I said, Pearl always wanted to be a movie star. Mm -hmm. And at first, um, when uh, Undine was born, since she was the oldest, she was pushing her to be a big star. Yeah. But Undine was like, fuck this. I don't want to do this. This is fucking stupid. No, mom. Pearl was like, ah, you fucking suck at this anyway. So uh, then she uh, decided to turn her efforts on to uh, Mineta. Who uh, seemed to have like a knack for it? She um, did pageants and shit like that. Okay, so she's the pageant queen. She's a pageant queen. Like Dumplin's mother. Mm -hmm. Um, Their home life wasn't necessarily ideal, (laughs) it was described as being very chaotic, and they apparently had a lot of weird pets. But they only mentioned one in this documentary, and it was a house-trained rooster named Weedy. 
Like the cereal? You can house train roosters? Yes. Can we get an office rooster? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can we get a comfort rooster for work? Yeah. I think that would be nice. If we get it certified, then we could take it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that person who got, like, their peacock certified as their, um... An emotional support animal. Yeah. And try to take it on a plane. <laughs> I say get away with what you Anyways, can. um, this rooster had his own uh, plate at the dinner table. Okay. So among, like, pageants and all that, she had, uh, Pearl had Moneta doing dance and community theater. And they were broke as fuck, but they were still able to compare to like participate in these somehow it wasn't really clear how they made their money to get her dressed up for all these type of things but they did made her money the way forrest gump's mom made her money yeah yeah at 13 manetta began modeling okay so young yeah she had a lie about her age so um that was that but her mom made her and her mom like you know she kept up appearances to make her like seem older that makes sense. I yeah. mean, you're trying to get your kid work. Mm-hmm. You, you say what you have to do. Yeah. So she started high school in 1937. But since she appeared older, it was really hard for her to make friends. She didn't have a lot of friends. So she retreated into a fantasy world where she became, like, really engulfed in this fantasy of becoming a Hollywood star. Okay. So she, uh, like, kind of obsessively, like, collected pictures of like her favorites in hollywood and had them posted on her wall that type of shit she had a lot of pictures of this particular guy named tyrone power sounds this like is, a, I mean, that's star. a great name that's a really great star name right her mom around this time got her her first audition with a scout from 20th century fox okay he even, like, set up a screen test for her in L.A., and uh, from there, they packed up the family, along with Weedy the Rooster, Oh! and they took a train out to California. I wonder if they took a bunch of other weird animals on a train. Like, they, they just have, like, they have a lion, there's, like, like a, a hippo chilling in the back. Well, they, in the documentary, they said that they had a lot of weird pets. But, but they like, just focus on a rooster? They focused on the rooster I feel like rooster's weedy. not even the weirdest. No. What year is this? Like the 30s? It's in the 30s. I mean, what is a weird pet in the 30s? Exactly. I feel like if they took a donkey, it would have been fine. So Fox was putting all of this effort into getting her screen ready. Okay. They started to perfect everything from her look to her Texas drawl. But then um, Fox found out how old she actually was at the time. And they were like, oh shit. Um, what? She's 14? We can't. We can't actually um, have her starring in the movies we had her in mind for. Mm. So um, call us, call us in a few years. But the thing is, with um, Moneta, she kind of looked too old to be like playing kids' part. She was very adult-looking. Then she, yeah, was she too had big old titties. She probably did. I, I feel like back- that's what it always means when they're like, oh, you don't look 14, little girl. And it's you're just like, like, um, stop looking yeah. at my titties at yeah, exactly. 14. I feel like back then, like the 30s, the 40s, they shouldn't have cared. Yeah, they like, shouldn't like, have. They should have cared, but I feel like I most didn't times they think wouldn't that care they had, if a like, woman was under But apparently 18. they did. Yeah, it's so weird. Because she was only 14, she was, like, too young for oh. adult roles, so she re- there was no place for her in Hollywood just yet. There's no place for them to be playing adult roles on screen. 
just forced to smoke cigarettes and eat diet pills off screen. Yes. yes. Like poor Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. So they sent her back home and told her to come back when she was a little older. Mm-hmm. Well, she was 14 in 1937. Okay. It's now uh, 1939. She's a finalist in a talent contest that was held by RKO Pictures. Oh. Okay. She got the attention of them, and they were ready to sign her, but then Fox was like, no, 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 no. That is our girl. And uh, decided to scoop her back up and bring her back to Hollywood to try it all over again. So uh, this time, she went alone to Hollywood because the family was too much. Mm -hmm. I want to say this was before even she even, like, went to Hollywood the first time, but uh, during the documentary, they said, at this point, Pearl had become an alcoholic. I had a feeling she was before. Don't quote me on that. She sounds like the mother who's, like, downing a fifth of vodka while she's like, I'm gonna be a star. Um, so Moneta went to Hollywood alone, and uh, she they put her up in a dorm that's like they had just for their up-and-comers. And, and uh, from there, the studio got her un- under contract and decided to change her name to Linda. Oh, oh, this is why they changed her name to Linda. It was to suggest a little Latin flavor, because oh. apparently she looked dark. Oh. What do you, okay, by look dark, what do you mean? So, um, I've seen pictures of her, and uh, remember I described her as a mix between Drew Barrymore and Ashley Judd. Mm-hmm. So, from sure. what I uh, <laughs> oh, gathered... Great Latina artist. <laughs> actually, Ashley Judd did play a Mexican woman in Frida, so... Okay, well then you got me there. <laughs> um... Apparently, um, what made her look dark was she was a brunette. <laughs> well, yeah. If Everyone go- knows all brunettes are Latinas. I, I mean, if the we're going by our... There are no white brunettes. No. There's if no, we're going yeah. by our standards of me being Mexican and you being Guatemalan, then that's true. That is... I mean, you got me there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's probably Peruvian. <laughs> so... I did. I did my ancestry DNA. Uh, I, I'm not Peruvian. It's amazing. 100% white. Oh, and fascinating. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. But since I'm brunette, I am Latino. Yeah. We, let's put you in a telenovela right now. <laughs> he would be so good. Oh, I could start in Frida. Oh, you could. Mm-hmm. He's Diego Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> From then, we're, we're going to call her Linda now, because that's her, her name. Because she's Latina now. She's Latina now. She's dark. Mm-hmm. You want to know what her first movie was called? <laughs> what? The Brunette Latina. <laughs> no. Hotel for Women. <laughs> and you know how I said that she um, got turned away because she was considered too young in Hollywood? Yes. Mm-hmm. She was still only 15 at this point. <laughs> Only like three months <laughs> Essentially, yeah. They're like, you know what? They were like, you're too young. Oh, and you're in a talent show? Come on back. Mm-hmm. So this movie was a success. Like, people were like, oh, yeah, this fucking Linda chick. Like, I'm into it. Bray off the bat, like, she got her second role. Nice. And guess what, guys? She got to star as a wife to her Hollywood crush, Tyrone Power. <gasps> The movie was called Daytime Wife. What the hell is a daytime wife? She 
She starred in a movie called Stardust after that, which was loosely based on how she quickly shot to fame. She had a movie made about her. This is her third movie. Um, this was all, by the way, made the same year. All of these movies. Like, within the year that she was in Hollywood. Which is weird to already have a biopic. Like, you've been in Hollywood for, like, all of two months. And there she is. 16 years old. So, this is how quickly movies (laughs) came about before. Um, at 16, she got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh my god. And also left her mark in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater. What year is this at this time? It is 1940 now. Okay, so Hollywood only existed for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Apparently, uh, you can't see the handprints anymore because... Um, People have like walked on it and stuff. Well, no, they take them out. Oh. oh. Apparently, people vote on who goes in the courtyard based on those stars' contributions to Hollywood. So most of the handprint ceremonies now are mock ceremonies. And it's like they'll do it in the cement, but then they'll take that block of cement and put it elsewhere. Uh-oh. So I don't know if they're actually still there or not. Okay. Um. So she did that. And she's a fucking big star now. You know what uh, movie she was in next? Which one? She was in fucking Zorro. Oh! She was a love interest in Zorro. That makes sense because she's Latina now. Yeah, yeah she's Latina. Yeah. She's Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> Who all, we all know is it's Latina. Is Latina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This isn't the first Zorro. This is just the first Zorro with sound. Okay. So, Big um, deal. Also, uh, Tyrone Power was Zorro in this. Sure. They start in a lot of movies together. That makes sense, though, because back then you were contracted to certain um, production companies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's how they advertised the movies. They'd be like... They had, like, this power couple Tyrone Panda. Panda. (laughs) Tyrone Panda. (laughs) Tyrone Power and Linda Darnell Mm -hmm. in Zorro. Yeah. And then they just pair them together in a bunch of movies. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Tyrone Panda. (laughs) So, like I said, this is all happening really fast. Mm Mm-hmm. She's still a teenager, so uh, she's blowing up and having to deal with being a teenager at the same time. By now, her family is out in Hollywood with her. She has her own house. She's not in the dorms anymore. Her mom is a fucking mess. Yeah, because her mom's like a raging alcoholic. She is a raging alcoholic. And now money isn't a a problem. Also, Mm -hmm. um... This I didn't mention, but uh, Pearl was an abusive wife to Calvin, who was kind of like the meek, quiet one. Okay. So they had a lot of that going on at home. It was a really bad family dynamic. And um, Pearl was notorious for being a drunk mess in Hollywood. Like, she would show up to... um, to work with uh, Linda and she would be drunk and then she would have Weedy the rooster with her <laughs> and you know it was just a fucking mess and uh, she got herself banned from the lot. I can see that. I feel like we need a, a movie about this. We do. About Pearl and Weedy. Um, Coming to Lifetime summer 2019. Around this time Linda um because she was trying to avoid her mom her mom and her family and having to deal with that dynamic on top of being a teenager in Hollywood. She started spending a lot of time with a cameraman by the name of John Pev Marley. 
What happened to Tyron Power? Um, he, well, he's, he's not. He's not a love interest. He's just somebody. I thought he, he had like a crush on him, though. She, she had a crush, crush on him, him but, but like they became co-stars. They were mm. co-workers. Also, they might have not like when she met him. It, the chemistry wasn't necessarily there. Just on screen, it you was. Know when you work someone, and it changes like, your oh, perspective. I hate you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's probably what happened. Mm-hmm. It's true. This guy Pev. <laughs> she's still a teenager at this point, right? Pev is in his 40s. Oh my god. (laughs) Pev is a creepy man. Some say she was interested in him mostly because he was like a father figure to her. That makes sense. And um, Calvin was kind of lacking in that department Mm because like I said, he was like a meek person. Mm -hmm. He didn't necessarily like step up to the plate and was there to be fatherly and being like the head of the household. They hit it off. And um, eventually she completely like moved out of her house that she was living in with her family. Oh, she's only 18 at this point. This is like around the time that she finds out she can't have kids. Oh. Oh. Uh, her reproductive system apparently never fully developed, which is, I mean, a really tough thing to find out at any age, but particularly when you're young and you haven't even thought of like what your life's mm-hmm. gonna be. Mm-hmm. It sucked because she really wanted to be a mom eventually. Shortly afterwards, she ended up eloping with Pev in Vegas. That crazy thing you do when you're um, 18. You just marry a 40-year-old man. It's fine. <laughs> At least she was 18. Fox was like, okay, this is fucking terrible. This is the worst news ever. Cause Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> even though Linda was like playing these leading role characters, these leading women. Mm-hmm. When she was always a love interest, she was actually marketed as, like, an innocent girl next door type. Fox was like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? You just eloped and shit? Like now people you- are going to see her out with a 40-year-old mm-hmm. man. So what Fox did was uh, they her. were only let her um, play virginal roles. Mm. Including playing the Virgin Mary. Well, when I think of the Virgin Mary, I think of Linda <laughs> But then she was like, I don't fucking want to do this shit, man. And I uh, got a very sexy role in a movie called Summer Storm. Oh. She was completely trying to get rid of that innocent girl next door. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so from there, she started doing like vixen type roles. Behind the scenes, though, Pev... Her husband, he is also a drinker. And of course, this started to influence Linda too. So she started picking up the drink. Apparently, she started getting a lot like moodier. She would be fighting with him constantly. As a fuck you to him, basically, she went on a date with Howard Hughes. Oh. oh. And you know, she liked the attention he gave her. So uh, she broke up with Pev, thinking that she would end up with Howard. Howard Hughes. Being a notorious playboy didn't want to settle down. And crazy person. I don't know how true this is. Um, it wasn't in the biography channel um, documentary about uh, Linda. Pev allegedly tried to sell Linda off to Howard Hughes after he was in a plane crash. After this fiasco, she started drinking more. Um, and then she played a Mexican prostitute. Great. <laughs> so she thought this was going to be a big fucking hit. This was, she was coming back up in Hollywood. Um, She was pissed, didn't know what to do herself. She took Pev back because she's back with Pev. She's drinking again. They're still fighting. 
But you know what? That didn't stop them from trying to make things work. And you know what? They just tried to start a family, so they adopted. So they adopted a girl named Charlotte Marley, who they for some reason called Lola. Linda immediately returned back to work after this. Because Goodbye, uh, Lola. <laughs> they Raise they, yourself. Yeah, basically. Hello. On the set of her next movie, called A Letter to Three Wives, she met director Joseph L. Manikowicz and became involved with him. Actually pushed her to finally divorce Pev. Uh, but uh, Joseph is also old enough to be her dad, so it's her type. But then Manawix was like, but I have a wife. And it was complicated. She stayed with Pev after all. <laughs> but um, she had an affair with another guy. This leads to a depression because she's still married to Pev and the, the other guy depression. didn't want her. Um, but uh, 1950 rolls around and she finally files for divorce from Pev. 20 years later. Once and for all. Um, but then she's kind of spiraled after this. And then um, she realized that they made bad investments and that divorce is an expensive business. This is 1950 when she's uh, divorcing this guy. She's kind of been out of movies for a couple of years. Um, but because of the divorce, she's like, oh shit, I have to make money now. So uh, she renews her contract with Fox. Mm -hmm. Pretty much took anything that came her way. I mean, I would do the same thing. If Fox wanted to give me a ton of money like i would be in little geniuses three like i don't care <laughs> do you remember the second one i didn't see it exactly i'm in the third one <laughs> <laughs> this is the 50s and hollywood is changing again and most studios are getting rid of contracted stars at this time so uh, she was dropped by uh, fox as a result so now she's on her own so she's working here and there, but she's also, like, depressed. And she has other mental health issues. She's also an alcoholic now. And then she... Like, mother, like, daughter. Yeah, it's really fucking sad. Carla's probably dead now. She could I'm, be I'm dead. I'm assuming she's dead. She might have been run over by a train. We don't know. <laughs> she fled the country with her rooster. You can still hear him if you listen. <laughs> Um, they're, they're in French Canada now. Uh, um, she eventually meets uh, Philip Liebman. He's a brewery heir. He was uh, like way more into her than she was into him. He owned all of the like Bud the, Light. Um, everything, everyone that she's been into though. Like they dated. He proposed to her a lot. Um, she said no a lot, but she eventually accepted and they got married in 1954. Um, he wanted her to be kind of like a trophy wife, but she was just like, but Hollywood. And then he realized that sh she was more into his money than she was into him, and they divorced within the same year. Anyways, she's still a raging alcoholic. To this day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because of this, she started gaining weight and started to age. Which is not a great thing if you're trying to be a star in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. She actually had to start auditioning for roles. They weren't handed to her anymore. Oh um, so she had to start doing the theater again. The theater. The theater. She starts fighting with her kid because there's nobody at home to fight with her now. one kid. So she was drinking and fighting with her kid now. It was bad. 
And what happens when shit gets bad for Linda? She adopts another child. She gets a rooster. <laughs> she finds another man. And uh, so she married pilot Merle Roy Robinson in 1957. Apparently, this was her happiest marriage. Aww. Her daughter said it was the closest she ever came to feeling like she was in a real family. And um, Linda was kind of over the Hollywood thing and having to do everything herself. So uh, turn the reins over to Merle, despite him not knowing like really anything about Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So he's basically your manager at this point. She was sober during this time that she's doing all this. Even better. Which is great. Then she found out Merle had been cheating on her. Oh, Oh, no, Merle! With a younger girl (gasps) who was pregnant. Oh, Oh, no. So they separated after five years. Linda tried killing herself following this by downing a handful of pills. It didn't work. She failed. I mean... Just like she did it most things in her. Will you stop? (laughs) (laughs) You just hear Pearl in the background. You've always been a disappointment. Um, anyways, uh... She tried to pick herself up again and uh, got back into theater, but she was still constantly fighting with her kid because there was nobody else again. So Lola was like, I'm fucking over this. Like, you're fucking insane. You have a problem. I'm Mm -hmm. moving back in with dad. You're a mess. But um, within a month of her moving into Pev's house, he actually died suddenly of a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh my god. And so Lola and her were kind of forced to work on their relationship since they were all each other had. And uh, Lola started working as an apprentice on all of uh, Linda's uh, theater productions. In 1965, after working outside of film for eight years, Linda finally gets a role in a movie. Yay, Linda! It's called Black Spurs. People were hyped for this movie. Linda Darnell was back and at the top of her acting game. So Linda was feeling good because of all this hype around this. And uh, she decided she wanted to see some friends to celebrate this movie coming out. So she went to Chicago. Okay. And this was just like she was spending a weekend there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And right before she left, she was offered something like three different roles because people were like, oh shit, Linda Darnell is back and she's like ready to fucking do this i heard this next movie is gonna be like fucking great but um she wasn't gonna start negotiating anything until after this trip because she's like let me have my vacation first and then we'll talk this it's the grease two of the 1960s exactly everyone was so excited (laughs) sadly on this trip she died early in the morning in her friend's apartment that linda was staying in she woke up surrounded by flames. Oh. She wasn't able to get out. She was found unconscious and covered in third degree burns. Oh, Linda. She was taken to a hospital and she there. She's still alive? Yeah. She was taken to a hospital and there she died the very next day on April 10th, 1965. She was only 41 years old. Supposedly, the fire was caused by a cigarette she had been smoking while she fell asleep watching her early movie. Which is ironically titled Stardust. Though this is just a rumor. Oh no, it's like, remember Sophia, that old lady that lived up the street from me? They would always fall asleep with cigarettes oh, in no. her mouth. Yes, I remember she's, Sophia. She's still alive. Oh, okay. That was a super bummer. 
Yeah. Super I'm glad that our first episode's so depressing. All three, well, oh yeah, all three stories are really depressing. Yeah. We have someone who was crushed to death, someone who got shot. And someone, and someone that burned, burned to, death. to death. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you've made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> you made it through the first episode. Please, if you can, leave us reviews. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and I think we have a Tumblr. We do have a terrible <laughs> Tumblr. We have a terrible Tumblr. Um, Everything should be at Baby Michelada. And um, we're actually taking topic suggestions for our next few episodes. So if you have a theme that you want us to uh, talk about and all of that, um, send us an email. Or uh, Instagram comment. DM us. I don't fucking know. I'll leave pictures of the drinks that we had today because I didn't even mention those. We oh, had three we had, different drinks. We had a lot of drinks. We, yeah, we drinks. had uh, Micheladas, Aviations, and Strawberry sm- Smashes. Smash. Yeah. Oh, oh. and um, Mojitos. Do you know of any vegan places in Hollywood? <laughs> oh, Paul. Paul is our vegan. There, there are a lot of vegan places. In Hollywood, actually, a lot. Anyways, thank you all for listening, and um, we hope you listen again. Please listen. We uh, will be posting every Tuesday uh, from now until we're uh, dead. Forever. Yes. The end of time. Anyways, this was... um, The body. The blood. The Michelada. A A podcast. podcast.